1: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. He just a on fucking wall. O'Neal
0: deep in the post, lots of contact
1: They Oh, what a block by Wallace! What a jump ball!
0: He's down four, 12-8, 7-38 to play in the first half. First from Rodney, stuck into the rim! Countdown, baby, and a foul! Reggie inside for Andre, and a dynamite dunk! Pistons fans, welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast. I'm your host, Mike Angolano. With hear me, as always, is Aaron Johnson. Aaron, I'm really glad there's nothing to talk about for a second podcast in a row, right?
1: Yeah, you know, unfortunately, we've been (laughs) complaining about a slow time uh, for the Pistons, and nothing is happening. It's just such a slow, boring period right now for Detroit. There's just no news or anything that's happened to them within the past couple of weeks that would make this podcast any interesting.
0: I think this means that Troy Weaver is a listener. I think so. I think he heard this and said, "Uh "Uh-uh, no way. We can make some stuff happen and decided to make some stuff happen. So we're going to go in no particular order here, but the Pistons do have two very large pieces of news that just dropped in the last uh, week or so. And really in the last like four hours or so, um, Let's start with uh, the newest news, and that's Blake Griffin. And we've talked about Blake quite a bit in that he's probably not um, going to fetch much in a trade, but now uh, now the Pistons have to uh, evaluate that trade market quickly, as the Pistons and Griffin's uh, camp have both agreed um, that the star forward will sit. He will not suit up again for Detroit as the team weighs trade and buyout options. This is, uh, from ESPN's uh, ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski, um, who reported this, uh, mutual agreement between the franchise and Griffin. So Aaron, I just want to ask you real quick, you know, we haven't had much of Blake Griffin in Detroit, but is there anything that sticks out to you for his time in Detroit? Not a eulogy per se, but just to sort of, um, Uh, reminisce a little bit about the the scant uh, positive times that Griffin has had uh, with the Pistons.
1: Well, it might end up turning into a eulogy because I think Blake Griffin really just put it all on the line in Detroit. Uh, He deserves all the credit in the world for coming here in a very not optimal situation. You know he signed long term in Los Angeles to be a Clipper for life, and that did not happen. He gets sent to Detroit, in a very different state as a franchise, just a very different area in general. You go from Hollywood, warm weather, big stars, all of that. When you know a championship-contending team, granted they were kind of at the end of that with Chris Paul out of the equation and things were changing for them rapidly, but a team that was successful. Granted, they hadn't won at all, but they were a successful franchise. To a team in Detroit that was grasping for footing, didn't have a star, and was not a playoff team, at least consistently yet. And Blake Griffin came in. He embraced the city that, in fairness embraced him Uh, you know this is a Detroit fan base that at times can be potent with uh, you know rage and and and, and at times they can they can get a little rude even and you know everyone seemingly embraced Blake Griffin because Griffin was a star he was a big name uh, uh, explosive player and it was a mutual respect and admiration between Griffin and the city of Detroit and the fans. And Griffin came here and and battled through injuries to, to perform at a high level. He maybe had the best season of his career in the 2018, 2019 season when he was an all-star for the first time in five years, six seasons. Um, You know, he had, the highest scoring total of his season. He played 75 games. He hadn't done that since 2013, 2014. He became a legitimate three point shooter for the first time in his career. Blake Griffin was everything to Detroit during his best years, uh, which were his half of season with the team once he got traded, and the 2018, 2019 season when he was an all star and the Detroit to the playoffs. They haven't been back to the playoffs. And that's because Blake Griffin hasn't been healthy. Um, Blake Griffin meant so much and, and it's not going to be remembered, but he accomplished some great things in Detroit. And he reminded a fan base of what a star looks like. The Pistons haven't had a star. And they don't have a star anymore. But for that short season and a half, Blake Griffin reminded everyone in Detroit what an NBA superstar looks like. Uh, I'm very, very I – think, I think Blake Griffin deserves a lot of respect for, for coming to Detroit. And you'll see a lot of stars in today's league who, you know, would cause an issue, would sit out. That's not what Blake Griffin did. He came here, he embraced an opportunity and made the most out of it. And it was very, very fun watching him at his best. It got Detroit back into the playoffs and he played just incredible basketball. Like I said, it might be the best season of his career, maybe outside of the 2013-2014
0: season. I think they're very comparable years for him. You could make an argument. You could right. make an argument that that yeah. season in Detroit was his best one of his.
1: He became an all-around offensive star. He was leading the offense. He was shooting. He was, you know, his assists were up. His playmaking what overall was up. He was the everything to Detroit. Um, so I, I think Blake Griffin, you know, I'm certainly that's a player that I'm rooting for moving forward. You know, I want him to finally get, healthy and find success. I get, he's been quote unquote healthy this year. I still don't think he's fully healthy. I'm rooting for him to get healthy and find success. Uh, he did a lot for the city. He gave back to the city. Uh, he appreciated the Detroit fans,
0: just a, a top tier guy, no doubt about it. And it, you know, this is not the time to have the discussion. Um, about who won or who lost that trade. Um, and I remember writing about this trade and, and we actually had a, a companion piece on Palace of Pistons between, is, is this a good trade? Is this a bad trade? I said it was a bad trade. Um, we obviously had the companion side saying, it's a good trade. Um, you know, you need to get a star in Detroit. It's not a free agent destination. You need to go and acquire a star if you can't draft one and you know season them to be a star then you need to go and get one and that's that you know that's that's what the Pistons did they went out and made a bold move to go get Blake Griffin it turned into a playoff appearance Um, it was one playoff appearance no playoff wins uh, but it turned into a playoff appearance and um, that is certainly gonna be something that uh, gets looked at in the next several days weeks here is that trade, uh, as, as we look to make another trade to send him away. Um, you had mentioned that, you know, he didn't come and pout cause he went from LA to Detroit. Well, there are, there are going to be some people who, who are going to look at this current situation of him opting to sit, um, as a, as a negative exit. And I think it's important to remember what it was like at the beginning, you know, he did come into the city. He did embrace the city. You know, he, I mean, I, he, he had a lot of negative, you know, ill will towards the Clippers after signing him to that extension and then shipping him off, you know, less than a season into, I believe $170 million maximum deal with the Clippers. So he came to Detroit, you know, pissed off. He came, I think with a little chip on his shoulder, because the team had moved away from him, um, the team being the Clippers. He, he, he came here and he did some great stuff in a short amount of time. And uh, in a statement here to ESPN, Griffin did say that he's grateful to the Pistons for understanding uh, what he wants to accomplish and for working together on the best path forward. And of course, uh, you know, Troy Weaver also uh, reciprocated that, that feeling telling ESPN Monday uh, that we respect all the effort Blake has put forth in Detroit and his career and We'll work to achieve a positive outcome for all involved. So, you know, he's not going to suit up again. That's the end of the Blake Griffin era. And we could have revisionist history about this at another time, but it needs, it needs to be discussed. What on earth do you do with Blake Griffin? I mean, before the show, you were trying to look for possible traits. Um, both you and I uh, don't really think that's possible. He's owed 36.6 million this year, he's owed 39 million uh, next year in a player option, which he will pick up, you know, assuming he has a faint change of heart um, and wants to, uh, you know, be, be more uh, accessible to teams. That's a lot of money to turn down. Thirty six point six million this year, 39 million next year in a player option. Um, Aaron, do you think a trade is actually possible? for Blake Griffin. I looked
1: and it just really doesn't seem that there's going to be a trade out there to, to move Blake Griffin at at his current contract. You're not going to find a contending team with the cap space or the young pieces that they'd be willing to part with along with matching salary to get Blake Griffin. And Detroit is one of, if not the worst teams in the NBA. They are the type of team that would be taking on bad contracts to get assets. Blake Griffin at this point right now, I know I had just gotten all sobby about him and, you know, talked about his great time in Detroit. Unfortunately, right now, that's it's a different Blake Griffin. And that value is not the same. He's averaging. Barely over 12 points, five rebounds, four assists per game. Uh, Career lows across the board, shooting under 37% from the field, 32% from the three-point line. He is very much struggling. He's had a couple nice games as of late, but he is not a uh, top-tier talent right now. He is not super valuable right now. And you're not going to find a team that's going to trade for him. It would. It, I just don't see it. I cannot find a roster. Cannot find a franchise that would that would that it could feasibly work with. I think what this looks like right now is the Pistons are probably going to be buying out Blake Griffin, and the big thing now is what amount of salary does Blake Griffin give up to get bought out? You know, I think, uh, you know, a comparison A comparison for this is Richard Hamilton was bought out, gave up $11 million. He was due $8 million by the team split up over the last two years of his contract for $4 million. Uh, I don't know if there is any CBA rules that mandate how much, how little, how, you know, or how much or how little a player can or has to give up, whatever, you know, it is not it has to, but, you know, can give up or if a team, you know, can only take a, you know, agree to get rid of so much. But I think a buyout is very much what's on the table right now. I cannot see a trade just looking at the, the bleak reality of the situation. And, you know, really the only way that Detroit trades him is if they give up assets it would be attaching draft picks or a young player to Blake Griffin. And I just, I don't think Troy Weaver will do that. Uh, you know, they've talked about in, in comments that they've made, I think, believe this was Dwayne Casey saying, you know, when talking about trading Blake Griffin, it was, you know, we have young guys that we need to get minutes to. We have Sadiq and we have Seku. So they're not attaching either of them. You certainly wouldn't expect them to be trading Killian Hayes, who they just drafted with the seventh overall pick, and Isaiah Stewart. It, it might be the starting, you know, might be the starting center by the end of the season. So outside of that, you know, there isn't an asset on this team that you can attach to Blake Griffin outside of draft pick, which right now looks like it's going to be very good. That is getting you out of Blake's contract, unless you trade Jeremy Grant too, but good luck matching, you know, $60 million of salary long-term. Um, it's going to be a buyout. It is what it is. It'll be interesting to see where the numbers fall in terms of what Blake Griffin gives up in his contract and how much the Pistons owe him over how long. It's going to be more dead salary for a
0: franchise that already has dead salary. Yeah, we, you know, we're really happy to move on from – paying Josh Smith uh, long after he stopped wearing piston blue and red, but you may have just replaced that with uh, whatever they did decide is the buddy owned to Blake Griffin, which is going to be sizable, as you said. Um, Yeah, I would agree. A trade just does not seem plausible. Not, not, Not only does it seem implausible, but what team would give up you know, assets to try and acquire a player who's having a historically terrible season, you know, for his standards. I, I've got some some stats from cleaning the glass. I mean, they are pretty hideous looking. He's shooting 42% on twos, 31% on threes, which is actually better than he shot last year in 18 games. And the last two seasons, the shooting has just fallen off of a cliff. Um, so I'm trying to think of what team would want Blake Griffin and what role he would, you know, fit on a contending team. He's not going to go to a, you know, a team that isn't in it to win it. He wants to go and win it. That's why he wants to get out of here. He could easily collect his money, you know, not play. Um, sure, that violates some rules in the NBA, but he 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 wants to go to a contender and play. Is he healthy enough to play? That's yet to be determined, but a buyout does seem a lot more likely. And this comes on the heels of my Cavaliers trying to trade or move Andre Drummond. So this is a nice little juxtaposition between these two organizations that have big salary guys that they just don't want anymore when they want to play younger guys. I agree a buyout, a buyout is going to happen. I think that's the most logical move. It just, I'm not sure what number uh, Detroit's willing to settle at, but it seems like based on the statements to ESPN that they're going to, um, they're going to be flexible with the amount of money uh, in, in which they dish out to him. And I don't, I honestly don't know what teams would want Blake Griffin. I'm sure that plenty would like to have him, but at what cost, you know, at, you know, at, at what cost? Um, you have anything else uh, about, griffin being bought out or moved um you know maybe the implications it doesn't really matter maybe the implications you know for what these young guys are going to gain with him being gone but who has the most to gain by griffin uh being removed from the roster
1: outside of blake griffin himself i think it easily becomes Sekou Dumboya, um and sadiq bay i think with blake griffin out of the fold you're going to see jeremy grant become the starting power forward, I think, that slides Sadiq Bey into the starting lineup long term, which is great for him. We're going to talk about Bay more in depth later, um, but he deserves it for the way that he's performed. He's a key piece for Detroit moving forward. And then it allows Seikud consistent big minutes a night. You know, outside of Jeremy Grant, it would really be Seikud as the only other f- power forward on the roster. Um, unless you're playing or Servus there who you know it probably doesn't see the floor much this year. Um, but you know that's important for SeQ because a lot of people are already out on him which maybe is a topic for another show but whether you like it or not, he is a building piece for Detroit right now at least this season because they don't have anyone else. Uh, they're young and, and they have minutes to spare. And Seku is a guy that should be getting a lot of them to see what he is and what he can become. And I think he's done some good things this year. I think he's had some some games where he looks good and he's engaged and he's making some nice plays. I think there are also games where he doesn't look very good and he's soft at the rim with with uh, you know, takes to the basket and he, he makes some, some slow footed plays defensively. But right now he is at 20 years old one of your building blocks. You may not like it. You may not want it long-term. Who knows what Troy Weaver wants? But right now in this season, he is. You know, that's a guy that you get and, and need to play to see what he's worth, whether that's worth building with or trading for something or someone else. Um, those two players certainly see a lot of added benefit. It opens up minutes, and it also probably helps a guy like Sfima Luke. You know, Sadiq was coming off the bench and getting minutes at the two and three, uh, you know, this forcing uh, Grant up a spot in the lineup and Sadiq into the starting lineup. It opens up another wing spot off the bench, which, uh, you know, looks like it will be filled by Sfima Hiluku. I, I, I don't think he's a, a, a guy that has a lot of, you know, upside for Detroit. I think he's a, just a good role player. And, I, you know, some people might disagree, but just watching him. I, I just think he's a nice offensive weapon off the bench, but it's good for him because it opens up minutes. It opens up opportunity for him to see the floor. Um, I, I'd say those three with primarily being Sadiq and Seku, those are the guys that see the most benefit outside, outside of Blake Griffin himself, who, you know, should have the opportunity here to, to go compete for a championship, which is something he wants to do as, you can tell in the quotes, uh, you know, to ESPN that he made uh, he wants to win, and you know it's it's unfortunate that he couldn't do so here, but it was also his health and his his level of play that you know brings him and brings the franchise to this very moment. Uh, so now he's going to move on, and certainly will not play in as big of a role as he did here in Detroit, uh, but he's going to have his chance to win while the Pistons' youth continues to become the vocal point around Troy, Troy Weaver and Dwayne
0: Casey. Yep, I think you nailed it. Uh, Sekou's the guy who's going to benefit the most. Grant goes back to his normal position of power forward, which I think suits him well. Seku can slot in or at least get more minutes. And like you mentioned, Sadiq Bey, who we'll get to shortly here, gets to flex his muscles a little bit. He gets more playing time, which you can make an argument Uh, He needs more of it after his 30-point explosion against the Boston Celtics. But let's go to one quick uh, trade. You had mentioned youth, and the Pistons are all about pushing the youth movement. And they uh, got a little bit younger uh, this past week when they traded Derrick Rose to uh, the New York Knicks for Rose's second stint with the Knicks, his third stint with head coach Tom Thibodeau. Um, They acquired Dennis Smith Jr. That's the big piece. Um, A young guy. The Pistons have turned into the rehabilitation center of the NBA with Josh Jackson. um, With Christian Wood last year, and now they have Dennis Smith Jr., who flamed out in Dallas, was a part of the Chris epps trade, and flamed out in uh, New York as Emmanuel quickly really took over that role as the backup point guard or really any point guard role on, on that team, they were lacking some serious point guard punch. Um, But you ship out Derrick Rose and you acquire Dennis Smith jr. Um, What sort of role do you see Dennis Smith jr. Having on this team slash what do you think? uh, What do you think the outlook is for him on this, on this roster?
1: Well, you know, I think Dennis Smith jr. As you said, it's, it's a rehabilitation uh, trade for Detroit. Can they revive Dennis Smith Jr.'s young career? He had an impressive rookie season in Dallas, averaging over 15 points and five assists. Um, wasn't a lights-out shooter, but you know played decent basketball and, and, and looked promising. His second season, he obviously got traded. Uh, didn't fit with Luka Doncic. In Dallas it didn't work out as they were hoping and then he went to New York and he played all right but shooting numbers were down Uh, his his overall play it just wasn't you know what you were hoping for and and then he really just fell out of the picture last season you know he he played in 34 games but his minutes you know were down he didn't start anymore Um, and then this year he was completely out of the equation. So to get to come to Detroit, who has a lot of point guard minutes available right now with Killian Hayes out for at least another five weeks, this is very much a tryout for Dennis Smith Jr. to prove that he still belongs in the NBA. And he's going to play behind DeLon Wright right now. I think he has the opportunity to earn the starting lineup spot if he were uh, to really showcase some some things. But DeLon Wright is holding that position down actually Rather well right now. I will give Delon Wright credit where credit is due, um, but Dennis Smith Jr. is 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 a young player for Dwayne Casey and Troy Weaver to examine and see if you know there's something worthwhile there. I will also say that Detroit got Charlotte's second round pick for the upcoming NBA draft, which is another nice acquisition as well. It's just another asset to add to the stockpile. Uh, the, the hope was that Detroit would get their own second round pick back, uh, but they, which New York also owned, but they got Charlotte. So not as good. It's probably in the 40s uh, in terms of where it lands. Uh, probably going to be in the low 40s, but it's still a second round pick. It's still an asset. So that is another positive from this trade for Detroit. But overall, I like this move. I'm kind of shocked that... Derrick Rose was only able to nab a, a mid-second round pick and a point, a young point guard that really seems to be flaming out early on in his career. But at 23 years old, Dennis Smith Jr. is going to have an opportunity to come to Detroit and play and, and, and see if he can figure it out. And, and I mean, for him, this is really, a, in my opinion, a do-or-die situation. You're on your third team in your fourth season. What does that say? It's not just always going to be the situation you're in. It's going to be you sometimes. I think this is one of those cases. Um, Dennis Smith has to figure it out. He's a very talented player. He can do a lot of nice things, but he's got to put it together. And and I think it's now or never. Detroit is a perfect place for him to to have that opportunity to to do it. Um, I like the trade by Detroit. It's a flyer that didn't really cost them anything. Derek Rose although a very nice player had some great moments in Detroit but just didn't fit their long-term plan wasn't necessary to them you know sending him to a playoff team to take a flyer recoup an asset that is a good decision by Troy Weaver and we'll see what Dennis Smith Jr has to offer he did have a nice last game against the New Orleans Pelicans so we'll see if he's able to build off of that and continue to to showcase good things he might turn out to be a good player we don't know uh, but we're going to see this year
0: yeah he was willing to accept in fact he willingly um, wanted to go to the g league uh, to get more playing time which you want to see that in in a young guy who's trying to make a dent, trying to come back you want to see him go and have the initiative to uh, get better um, recognizing that his time was limited with the New York Knicks. He does have a great opportunity with the Pistons, especially with Killian Hayes out. I would not say it's a 5 week tryout, but I would say that it costs the Pistons almost nothing. They can move on from him. They still get that second round pick which like you said is going to be somewhere in, in the 40s. Um that will certainly be nice and the way that they are drafting, they could easily turn that Pick into a, you know, a decent player, um, but I think I, I pretty much agree with your assessment. He did have a nice game against the Pelicans; that was encouraging to see. He's shot horribly. He's been a terrible shooter, even from the free throw line. He's sixty-five percent free throw shooter. That's just not going to get it done. It's it's just not. Uh, he he's but he's still young. He's still raw. He was sort of that when he came out of NC State already. He was this raw talent. And I don't think Dallas did him any favors either with the way that they handled him. But he's got a good opportunity with the Pistons uh, to sort of figure things out a bit. He gets he gets plenty of playing time, much like Killian Hayes when I said this at the beginning of the year, that Hayes is going to get a lot of run. Desmond Junior should get, you know, a pretty decent amount of run with the Pistons here um, as well. So a, a goodbye to Derrick Rose. It was not what we were hoping for. Um, good player. Hopefully he can uh, can be that bucket getter for the surprising New York Knicks. So there was another big thing that happened. It's been a big day for Pistons news between Blake Griffin and the team mutually agreeing to part ways. And Sadiq Bay. it's like out with the old, in with the new, Sadiq Bay named nba player of the week impressive stuff i think there are some guys who could have been who who could have been given that award over him like terry rozier but you can't argue uh he shot like 70 percent bay shot like 70 percent from three something ridiculous this past week sadiq bay is player of the week not just rookie of the week he's player of the week him and devin booker named players of the week um our good pal Tim Forkin was a big fan of Sadiq Bay. I was also a big fan of Sadiq Bay. Aaron, this is awesome. This is like the perfect st- storm of out with the old, you know, injured player and in with the, uh, you know, 21-year-old rookie um, who shot the lights out all week. Yeah, this is exactly why the Pistons
1: and Blake Griffin are parting ways. You have a forward in Sadiq Bay that's ready to step in and and be a big time player. This guy looks so comfortable in in just 20, 25 games of competing at a high level nightly against NBA players. Uh, The 30 point 12 rebound game where he shot 10 of 12 from the field and seven of seven from the three point line, a win against the Boston Celtics, a good team, mind you, that Sadiq Bay, not single handedly won for the Pistons, but he led the Pistons to that win. He followed that up with a nice game against the New Orleans Pelicans, which we're going to talk about offense, but defensively, he did have some nice possessions against Zion Williamson. You know, I, if you really watch that game, he had some good stands against Zion, who I don't know if people know this, but he's pretty hard to get in front of and stop. Yeah. Sadiq uh, is just such an awesome player because he is on both sides of the ball very capable and comfortable he doesn't make mistakes it's it's like watching a veteran his only mistake is when he misses a shot you know he doesn't go out there and, and try to play out of himself or rush things he doesn't force shots I will say maybe at the beginning of the season he was forcing shots a little bit but that only lasted a couple games once he kind of got his feet wet into NBA waters. He has just been a, a very steady piece for Detroit. And it's awesome to see him blossoming. Uh, I think that he is just so important to their future. And I did not expect him to to come out here and perform this way right away. I, I His potential, uh, in my eyes, grows every time he steps out onto the court He's showing more and more offensively. He's, he's shown flashes with the ball in his hand. That's obviously going to be the next step for him is becoming a, a threat off the dribble, shot creator type stuff. But, but right now, I mean, appreciate what he is doing on both sides of the ball. He put out a phenomenal performance. He is the only other piston besides Kelly Tripuka to win. Uh, NBA Player of the Week award in their first season—just um, magnificent <laughs> stuff from Sadiq Bay. Uh, There's—he is—he is a huge piece for the Pistons moving forward. I think that's
0: your biggest takeaway from this. Yeah, definitely. And I'm—I'm um, I'm trying to comb through some stats here quickly for Sadiq Bay. I'm looking at his shot chart. It's basically exactly what you want to see. It's a lot of green out of a, a lot of guy. green. It's a lot of green. It's a lot of green. And then there's some stuff right by
1: the basket that looks pretty good too.
0: Yeah. He's taking a significant amount of his shots from behind the three-point arc, which you want to see. And that nice mid-range area is nice and barren. He's not taking long twos. He's terrible at shooting two-pointers anyway. Um, he, he, he's, you know, one of the worst uh, per cleaning the glass. Lots of three-pointers and hanging around the basket. So that's uh, – that's pretty much what you want to see out of Sadiq Bey. Um, the Pistons do have a – they they do have a player in him. He's shooting 42.2% from deep. He's shooting 37% on two-pointers. That is in the th- third percentile, the single digit, three. Hey, but he's in the 76th percentile. <laughs> he's in the 76th percentile for three-point percentage. That's very good. I You got to be very, uh, very encouraged by what you're seeing with Sadiq Bey. 19th overall pick, he's 21, he's almost 22 years old, 6'8 wing. He is also somebody that benefits from Blake Griffin um, being off of this roster. And the three-point distribution, I mean, even on corner threes, and non-corner threes. He's good in all those categories. He's mostly taking non-corner threes. That's 45% of his three-point takes. It's pretty good. Or that's 45% of his total shot attempts. I'm sorry. 45% of his total shot attempts are non-corner threes. But he's good on both. He's just a, been a good three-point shooter through and through. Um, it's great. He won player of the week. It gives the Pistons a little bit of notoriety. Uh, that's very encouraging. Um Trying to comb through his Villanova stats here. And he was a pretty good three point shooter in college, too. A very good three point shooter, 48% in 2019, 2020 with Villanova. One Sorry, nice that thing per, about was per conference.
1: While Go you're combing through stats, one nice thing about him is he's a guy that you can kind of just plug in. He can play the two through four, right. he can defend the one through four, and, and you don't have to worry about him. He's six right. seven. He's strong. He's quick. He can make plays on both sides of the floor. You don't have to worry about him. There's there's no, you know, well, he's not going to be able to to defend this person or, you know, he's going to be mismatched trying to do this. But he can just go out there and play. He's not a guy that you worry about, kind of like Jeremy Grant. He just goes out there and he plays. There's going to be other guys where, you know, it's Josh Jackson. You don't want him out there having to make decisions with the basketball and, you know, having to try to, you know, lead an offense. Not that Sadiq Bey is, is doing that, but, you know, it, you're going to take Sadiq Bey shooting the basketball over pretty much anyone on this Detroit team right now with the way that he's been shooting. Uh, he, he's very capable guarding different guys, defensively he can guard guards and he can stay with guards but he can also defend some bigger guys again Zion Williamson is a great example of someone that the other day against New Orleans he got in front of and he made it challenging for him he's just there's just something about him where the game looks easy you know it, it's it's easy for him to go out there and, and find a way to make plays on both sides of the floor yep
0: um, and that's kind of what you get with a 21 year old rookie, someone who's a little bit more seasoned, um, spent two years at Villanova, obviously a good program, uh, a championship caliber program. He shot 45%. Um, yeah, he shot 45% on three pointers in his last year at Villanova up from 37% the year prior. He showed the touch. Um, now he's shown the touch now with the Pistons. In terms of young player importance, is he now sort of above Killian Hayes? Is Killian Hayes still above him? Has this whole week – is this just recency bias that's running through my head? That's a tough question. I mean,
1: Sadiq is important. There's no question about it, but it's a point guard is is very, very necessary for Detroit. You know, they have some guys on the wing in Jeremy Grant and Josh Jackson that are good players. They don't have a point guard right now that's, that's worth building around. And, you know, if Killian can be that point guard, that would be big for the franchise. I'd say it's probably harder to, to get a, a point guard to build with or build around compared to a wing. I don't know, though, because Sadiq has had some really nice performances. I think it's it's almost unfair to Killian because he's only gotten seven games to play. So it's, it's unfair to, to kind of knock him out of that spot. But with the way that Sadiq Bey has played, he's kind of earned that right to importance. And right now he might be the most important. I think... I, part of me wants to say, hey, still, because again, as a point guard, it's just very, very they, it, they're they just harder to, to find and come by and build with. It's easier to get wings in my opinion, but it, it, there's no doubt that those two are both just incredibly important right now for where the Pistons are at and, and where they'll want to be going.
0: Yeah, I would agree. Um, with maybe giving Hayes a, a, the bump. He is a point guard. You need a point guard. That's where the league's going is point guards and, and having guys who, who, who can lead, you know, lead the way it, it used to be centers. Now it's point guards. You need a point guard who can orchestrate the offense, but you know what you also need? You also need young wing defenders and wing shooters. And uh, Bay can do both of those. I mean, wing might be, might be the most sought after position in the NBA. It seems like teams draft a point guard can get a decent point guard. They can draft a center, find a decent center, but wing players is the defining position for winning basketball. I mean, Robert Covington was like the poster child of, we got to get somebody like Robert Covington. We need a guy like Robert Covington. Every team could use a a player like him, can defend the wing, can hit the three, that's it. He does little things like that. And not that Zeke Bay is a Robert Covington clone. It's too early to say that. Um, let's hope he's a little bit more multi-tooled. But everybody needs a wing player just as much as they need a point guard. They need two solid wing players in addition to a good point guard. And, you know, uh, let's hope that Hayes turns into something uh, pretty special. It'd be nice to see him out there with this young team, Sands, Rose, and Griffin. I think that would be pretty fun. Like you said earlier, DeLon Wright's played pretty well. I mean, this is a fun team. And Jeremy Grant's been playing super well um, all season long. This, this It's a fun team. I mean, even though you get rid of Rose and Griffin, probably two fan favorites, the two most well-known players on, on the team. You get rid of Andre Drummond last year. That was sort of the beginning of the out with the old and with the new type of deal. Um this is fun. I mean, this is fun though. This is what when you and I were talking about the in the preseason of what to expect. These are the flashes of good young play like Sadiq Bey shooting the lights out, beating a Boston Celtics team that was in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. That those are the kind of fun games that we're going to think about at the end of the season.
1: Yeah, I mean. You know, I think I think you kind of talked about the importance of of having wings that can are multifaceted. And that is a good point. I think Sadiq Bey's ability, which is something I, I did mention about him needing to grow as a guy that can put the ball on the floor, drive to the basket, create shots, you know, off the dribble, that's something that's important too. And if he was showing that, you know. It's it's kind of about what kind of archetype do you see Sadiq Bay or, or Killian Hayes being? And right now, you know, I don't know if Bay fits that archetype of point forward, point wing, whatever you want to call it, where he's handling the basketball a lot and he's you know doing a lot more than what a lot of the wings in, in the league today do. Um, but if he can learn to put the ball on the floor, that's certainly makes him even more important to this team because it is hard to come by wings that can be efficient scorers. I, it's funny because it, it seemingly is because he's a, you know, was a piston, but he gets, at least from what I've seen, a lot of people want him to become Chris Middleton. And, you know, that would be a really good outcome for Sadiq day. I think a, a guy that, doesn't always put it on the floor, but Ken, he's a marksman from beyond the arc. He's a good defender and he's probably not your number one guy and he may not be good enough to be your number two guy, but if he's your number three guy, damn, you're in a good position. Um, I think that's a great archetype for Sadiq Bey to to kind of model himself off of. I, I think it's exciting, you know, that everything is happening so quickly for the Pistons and a guy like Sadiq Bey where your, your top pick gets injured and that's, a oh, man, this is really going to make the season sting. But then you have this guy that you traded for, you know, later in the first round. He's coming in and he is taking this team by storm and, and showing that, hey, I am a major part of your future. I am a major part of you getting back into the playoffs, being a challenger, being a competitor and being a winning organization.
0: Yeah, um, he he exemplifies a lot of things that the Pistons need and that a lot of other teams could use. And they're better with him on the floor. They're better with him shooting and playing and learning um, alongside the rest of the team. Um, so this is kind of turned into a Sadiq Bay, you know, love fest. We have gone from several different love fests other than Derrick Rose. It was first the Blake Griffin love fest then in kind of you know glanced over Derek rose and now we're on to the sadique bay love fest you know i just want to go back real quick to um players who are playing well for the pistons and we have pooed all of the free agent signings i think in some fashion <laughs> i don't think there was a single one except for maybe josh jackson that we're like wow that was great initially when it happened we're like wow what a move um mason plumley had a triple double care to comment you know what I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you <laughs> brought
1: that up. Uh yeah, so Mason Plumlee's getting triple doubles with the Pistons now. I guess that's a thing. Uh and he's he's gotten close to that like multiple times this season where he's he's flirted with a triple double. And he comes back after missing a couple games and just nonchalantly that's like the fourth biggest story of the last like day for the Pistons where Mason Plumlee, the, you know, seven-year veteran is coming out and just getting triple-doubles. Like it's, you know, like he's freaking Giannis or, or some, you know. Nikola Jokic. Nikola Jokic, there you go. You know, that's the guy he learned from Nikola Jokic. That's what <laughs> it is. There you go. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> hey, you know what? If we're going to – let's just build a Mason Plumlee statue here in Detroit. This, if this guy's just going to start – Here and there, sprinkling in a triple-double. I'm all for it. I'm all
0: for it, man. It's hard to argue against it. Yeah, he's playing well, too. They're all playing well. I mean, they're on a two-game winning streak quietly, very, very quietly. They are hurdling up the standings. Uh, They're now one game ahead of the woeful Washington Wizards. Only two games back of the equally woeful. Now, they're a game and a half back of the equally woeful, currently Cleveland Cavaliers and Orlando Magic, and they're three games behind uh, the uh, Chicago Bulls, so um, say what you will, but the Pistons are at least playing enjoyable basketball that is leading to losses, but now some of those losses are starting to take advantage of teams that are just kind of all out of sort. They beat Brooklyn, which the Cavs beat him twice, so I don't know exactly how impactful it is, and I don't think they had Kevin Durant. Either way, they beat the Brooklyn Nets. They could have and should have beaten the Boston Celtics three times uh, this year. They've beaten them twice. The Celtics are out of sorts. They're at 500. They really don't look that intimidating in any way. And teams like Detroit, who are just kind of well-rounded, they have some good scrappy players like Sadiq Bey, like Jeremy Grant, you don't expect to be good, like the triple-double machine that is Mason Plumley, like Isaiah Stewart, who just is kind of a thorn in your side that does some good stuff, they will take advantage of good teams, you know, on paper, good teams that are just are kind of in a funk. They they do enough of the small things that just kind of annoy other good teams and they eventually scrape out a win. And I think that that's got to be something that you look back at and think, okay, you know, we do some of the little things, right? We're annoying to those good teams and, you know, you, you can build off of that too. I mean, I'm sure that Boston was completely and utterly uh, gobsmacked that Sadiq Bay just smashed with a 30 point hammer. Um, but those are some of the things that maybe budding young teams do is, is they just have some players who do some, some good things on their own and together they can kind of culminate and create this perfect storm of what just happened. And then they be a team like the Boston Celtics.
1: The Pistons are the best bad team in the NBA. Like, they are not – they're not good, but they're the best bad team you're going to play, and they're going to beat you some nights. You know, they'll compete. Most of the time they're going to lose, but they are going to make you work for every single win, and I appreciate that. I enjoy that. I, I, I would rather see this team compete and lose and win a couple games here and there rather than get blown out by 20. Like you see a lot of these teams that are rebuilding a go through. You know, I like that there is a competitiveness to this Detroit team. And while I think that you know a lot of that points to the veterans on this team, like Jeremy Grant, like as basketball reference has in one of his nicknames, Plum Dog Millionaire, Mason Plumley, um <laughs> Delon Wright. You know, I, I think that's just the rookie class that Detroit drafted too. Like those are competitors, Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart. Like they're rookies that help you win basketball games because they came into the league ready to play. You know, they they were they had NBA tools and NBA skill sets that were going to translate right away. And when you can shoot the ball at forty three percent, and you're six seven, and you can defend multiple positions. Hell yeah, you're going to help a team win basketball games. It doesn't matter that you're 21 years old. And when you're 6'9", and you're going to run the floor harder than anyone else, and you're going to push people out of the way, and you're going to attack the glass like the center before you and Andre Drummond, hell yeah, you're going to succeed. Hell yeah, you're going to get a lot of minutes. Hell yeah, you're going to help the team win. It's just kind of the roster that Detroit has put together where – Every night they're going to be good enough to compete against a team that they're playing. Most nights they're not going to actually win that game against the Los Angeles Lakers that went into overtime, no matter how much I wanted to go to bed, no matter how much I wanted to fall asleep, the Pistons competed and they did what a a real rebuilding team that is bad does. They competed and, I think that's a a good sign for them, that they're learning to compete and that they're still finding ways to win games, even though they are at the very beginning of a rebuild. I think that bodes very well for this franchise moving forward because I still think, albeit that it's important that Detroit gets a top pick in the draft, it is equally important for players to learn how to win, be in situations where they have an opportunity to win, but they don't, and they can learn from that. There's just a whole lot of pluses to those kinds of situations. And that's why it's okay that Detroit doesn't always come away with the win, but as long as they're competing, they're keeping games close, and they're making other teams scrap and claw, even if they are high level teams like the Lakers, that is very, very good for Detroit. And that is where Troy Weaver gets more credit for putting this team together drafting rookies that are were NBA ready and could compete, but also putting in that mix of veterans that was going to stabilize this group and, you know, keep them floating in a long NBA season.
0: Yeah, and they're the best bad team. I, I actually like that thought exercise. Teams that are worse, uh, Washington and Minnesota. Uh, Bradley Beal might be, might be worth it to watch the Washington Wizards and maybe Russell Westbrook stops being t- like utterly horrible. But they're definitely more, well, you know, you can make a case that they're, that they're not as fun as the Timberwolves either. E- either way, they, they, uh yes, they are a fun young team and you'd rather see them do this. Obviously with Blake Griffin being healthy, but, you know, it might be a little bit, a little bit bigger of a pill to swallow if you're paying him $55 million in a buyout or whatever it's gonna be. That's I just threw the number out there because he's owed about 70 million dollars over it's a little bit more than 70 over the next two seasons. But um yeah, they're fun. You know, that Laker game was pretty fun and they beat the Lakers already this year. So they are playing the tough teams tough and they're playing the bad teams tough. But you know they have 19 losses and they're still in line to get that top three pick and add a linchpin type of prospect on to the roster. Um, so those were, were our three big topics. Did, did you have any anything else for for Blake Griffin, for Derek Rose? I'm sure we'll talk about Griffin plenty. Um, because I find it unlikely he will be bought out within a week. Um, any, anything else fluid with, with him?
1: Yeah, I don't think this is something that, that happens quickly. It, it, it said in the ESPN piece that Troy Weaver and the Pistons were going to be looking for trades for Blake Griffin. They were going to seek a deal up until the March 25 trade deadline. So, you know, this could be something that lasts for over a month. And, you know, if Detroit can't find a trade, then I guess they'll buy him out at the last minute and deal with the repercussions of that moving forward, which is something that I guess we'll have to talk about when that time comes because that is something that, will have to be addressed and it's definitely a looming black eye for the Pistons. Um, But yeah, Blake, this, this, this thing with Blake overall isn't going anywhere right now, at least not in my opinion. I think this is something that it takes a few weeks at least. And uh, I mean, just, I I think we all kind of knew Blake Griffin didn't fit with Detroit anymore. I mean, we had talked about it numerous times. I was still absolutely shocked to see on my phone today the news coming out that the Pistons and Blake Griffin agreed to sit him out and, and look for the next option of moving on. I was still shocked to get that notification. I, To be completely honest with you, I expected Blake to be here throughout the rest of his contract, and that being a roadblock for the Pistons trying to build their team and play guys and develop their youth. That is what I was anticipating. So definitely was absolutely shocked to to see a, this news come out today.
0: Yeah, you know, just continue to uh you know copy the Cavaliers. You know, Andre Drummond isn't going to play anymore. Team's going to sit him, wait for a buyout or trade. Oh, and Troy Weaver says, you know, that's a good idea. Let's uh let's 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 go ahead and throw that Blake Griffin news out too, while while the league is uh, refreshing. Their timelines. We'll just throw another star um, out there into the fold. Hey, I think it's better sooner if, than later. If, if
1: <laughs> this the fans didn't get to call Andre Drummond a star while he was in Detroit, and then you then the Cleveland fans don't get to call him a star in Cleveland. That's just how it works.
0: We we don't think he's a star. There's a lot of people totally entirely sick of Andre Drummond, including me. I've never seen a more empty uh, twenty-five and fifteen game in my life. I, he has not, he has not put that up in a long time. I have never seen no more team points in 12 rebounds a game.
1: I don't know if I've ever seen more just like, p- please don't trade for Andre Drummond at every team in the NBA tweets. Then I, then I, you know, I mean, that just seems to be the general consensus outside of, you know, the Detroit people that still, you know, praise Drummond for everything that he's done. Outside of that group, I, I've never seen a player just in a more just overall like everyone saying, "Don't trade for him." Don't don't trade. Everybody on don't go get Andre Drummond at every team. You know, it, it's just no one wants no one wants him. Which it's a sad thing to say. I mean, I still think he provides some value, but he also has his his issues some very real issues so yeah uh en- enjoying andre drummond in cleveland did not last long
0: huh um no it didn't and you know even when we acquired him last year from the pistons and everyone said oh my god the pistons were fleeced i was thinking uh, if we try and trade him again we're getting pennies on the pennies for a dollar and it's just very watered down, and yeah, you know he makes some nice dunks. He's blocked some shots, and actually, him and Nance have been a pretty good defensive duo. Because um, at the time, the Cavs had quite the defensive uh, stat line. They had the number one defense in the league for a while, and a lot of that was Andre Drummond being good rim protector, and a lot of it was active hands from Larry Nance and Isaac Okoro and and whatnot. But yeah, you know the train um, left the station. And uh, he just stopped showing that effort really after the team got Jared Allen just kind of fell apart. We don't have to talk about Andre Drummond. I know that we spent years and years talking about Andre Drummond, when he's going to put it together, when he's going to put it together. It is very interesting that him and Griffin are now the two big potential buyout trade candidates. I think it's a lot more likely that Drummond gets traded. I think it's much more likely that both of them get bought out independently there's just very few places you know we talked about there's no places to fit Blake Griffin into there's equally no places to fit Andre Drummond's 28 million dollar player option he doesn't fit into the player exception that huge massive one the, the Boston Celtics have he doesn't fit in Toronto unless Toronto trades four rotational pieces you know low end but they're rotational pieces he does fit anywhere so if Andre Drummond doesn't fit anywhere you're gonna have a heck of a time trying to find a a spot for Blake Griffin too which is why we kind of set a buyout seems like the most likely outcome
1: yeah the only one that's that's been tossed around is Toronto which is obviously the team that Adrian Wojnarowski said Cleveland was engaged with I know we talked about that deal a little bit off the air and what that could look like and you maybe mentioned Stanley Johnson going back to Toronto with (laughs) or not going back to Toronto but going to Toronto and Coming full circle, you know, him becoming an actual useful NBA player and going to uh, the Cavs would just be... Got to warm the heart, right? I, I guess. I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, all of a sudden it, it it becomes Colin Sexton and Darius Garland and Stanley Johnson as the third <laughs> huh? right? No, we got Stanley Johnson. He's a couple years older. Kind of yeah. came from the league under the same archetype, defensive wing,
0: some playmaking oh, possibilities. That scares me now. Now, <laughs> now now you've incited some fear into me, my friend, because his <laughs> offensive game is very, very raw. Very, very raw. And oh no. I I, I got a shiver down my spine <laughs> hearing <laughs> that comparison. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, when we uh, trade Isaac Okoro to you in a dump off deal in five years or four years or however long Stanimal was in uh, Detroit, then it'll come full circle. You'll get a Stanley Johnson replacement in three to six years. Oh, great. Sadiq Bay better be winning the MVP by then, huh? Well, he's on the fast track to winning it. <laughs> he's on the fast track. Oh, oh boy. Uh, yeah. now, I, now I'm now i shuddering at uh, Isaac Okoro, Stanley Johnson comparisons. Anyway, This has been one of our longest podcasts, but there's been a lot of Pistons talk and there'll be a lot of talk in the next week or so um, when we get uh, maybe some talk of a Blake Griffin buyout or a trade, Um, maybe some other, maybe Isaiah Stewart wins player of the week. Um, We'll, you know, we'll have to see. You'll have to tune in next time and find out. Aaron, any final thoughts before we call one of the longest podcasts we've done in a long time?
1: I think it I think it deserved to be one of the longest podcasts I and mean, we didn't have yeah. that last week and obviously so much has transpired within the last twenty four hours so right emergency podcasts you know we needed to do one anyway. The Blake Griffin News was kind of the kick in the ass to to really get together, convene and and get this out so. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad we just had some stuff to talk about, you know. I mean, we've been yeah. talking the last few podcasts. Well, oh, there's really not a lot to talk about besides the Pistons aren't winning <laughs> games and that all of a sudden it all just happens. Three, four things happen within a span of twenty-four hours. And and here we are, you know, putting together one of the longest podcasts, maybe in Dallas of Pistons history.
0: Maybe making history. You know that's that's what we're all about is making history. It's been a total 180. Lots of news. The Pistons have two wins in a row, and uh, we'll hope that you'll continue to join us as they win some more games and acquire some more players and buy out some old ones and keep the youth movement uh, moving along. So, uh, for my partner Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Anguiano. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, and we will see you next time, Pistons fans.